Welcome back. This is Address Unknown, episode 12. We have been soaking in the sun and culture of Indonesia for about three-ish weeks, so let's get caught up. listening this is address unknown episode 12 and we are going to talk about our time over the past few weeks in Indonesia first we flew four and a half hours from Perth into Denpasar Airport we had a bit of a drive which was about two and a half hours from the airport to our hotel which was located in the village of Taro this is about 45 minutes north of Uba deep deep in the jungle of Bali uh, yeah, yeah, correct. The island of Bali. The island of Bali. Yeah. Uh, I think we were both a little bit shocked, I would say, when we got there to, to make our way to the hotel. It was a little bit of a drive and a little bit chaotic on the roads. It was very, we knew it would be very different than Australia, but uh, having been there for almost three months, it was definitely, it was a little bit of a shock. I don't, yeah, I don't think we took into consideration the amount of motorbikes, the level of sort of organized chaos and total lack of traffic lights overall yeah so it was sort of like a flow that was moving that's like as people went it was just kind of everyone went at the same time and it somehow worked its way through it did Mm -hmm. um at any rate uh the roads in bali are also a little crazy because they are about the width of one single lane in the united states Mm -hmm. and then there's a dash line down the middle creating two lanes but not really two lanes no but our driver was was very safe he he was good. I think he could sense that the uh, the lady in the back was a little bit nervous. The whole drive, the two and a half hours, he kept asking us if we wanted to stop for for anything, for a SIM card, for food, for all sorts of stuff. But really, I just wanted to get to to our hotel. It obviously had been a very long day of travel. And I just wanted to get there before it got dark outside because obviously there's no traffic lights, so there's not going to be any sort of street lights in these roads. I'm sure that he knew them like the back of his hand, but um, I just I just wanted to make it there in one piece. Uh, so we finally got to our hotel around six. It was just starting to get dark, but obviously we were both getting hangry. We were thirsty. We were tired. I'm going to say thank God we had bought some duty-free spirits um, because Bali, uh, being a mostly like 99% Hindu country, there really is no alcohol unless you're in very touristy places. Our resort had had beer, but that was really it. Um, So that's uh, some advice, I guess, if you're going to in, Bali. Indonesia, on the whole, is hard yes. to get liquor in, for sure. Yes. And if you want liquor, it's expensive. It's very expensive, because the local people don't drink it, so they tax the shit out of it, because they know that all the tourists are going to come. But anyway, our hotel is named Govinda Villas. There are like five freestanding rooms, kind of villas, huts, if you will. Very spacious, beautiful outdoor bathrooms. But... Because we are in the jungle, I was trying to prepare myself for the bugs and God knows what else we were sure to encounter. We've stayed in a room like this before, and 
I almost lost my eye to a scorpion. You were immersed in nature. Yes. I have a little PTSD, if you will, about staying in these sort of rooms in the jungle. Um, The first thing that I noticed when we got into our room was that something had pooped on the ottoman in front of our bed. So I was like, what, what pray tell has left us a little treat, welcoming treat to our room? That's right, that's right. And that something was a toke lizard that lived in the ceiling above our bed. And these things can get pretty large. At least a couple of times throughout the night we were woken up by the toke. And the toke sounds a little something like this. decided that we were going to take one day to basically relax, chill, uh, and ease into our, our private pool here. Yeah. The Vendavillas. Uh-huh. Because it was supposed to be monsoon season, meaning we would expect daily rains, there was only one other woman actually staying at the villa. So it was like three of us, five villas total, and no one around. Yeah. It was lovely. We really did have private pool. And also, the interesting thing is that obviously... We were in Australia during Australia summer. They said, come to Australia, it'll be sunny and beautiful. And it rained most of the time. In Indonesia, where it was supposed to be monsoon season, I will say for the most part, we experienced very little rain. We had some very welcoming weather in Indonesia. We did. We quite, were, quite we were happy about it. But it changed from the previous three months in Australia. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the following day, we hired a local guide to give us a tour. And we wanted to sort of familiarize ourselves with the place. We left our villa at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we headed to see the Twin Waterfalls. This is a very popular sort of 100, 150 foot high dual waterfalls coming down. It's very popular on the gram. Yeah, cascades down into a beautiful pool. And yes, on the gram, you'll see influencers swimming through the pool up onto a rock in front of the two waterfalls. But dude, it was a pretty decent hike to get there, so we were surprised. There was a, a, a an influencer coming back. Full face makeup oh she my was god gold. it was a like gold shimmering anyway she was like i will never do this walk again and i was like this, was is, not like, a, this is not a walk i would do with makeup on no absolutely not like it was it was hot it was humid and girlfriend was not dressed for a hike yeah and i can tell you i do a lot of walks with makeup on this is not what i do <laughs> So because of this, this is like one of those things about Bali. And this is not, Bali is incredible. It is beautiful, but it really is obviously one of these like Instagram places, right? And so we learned that our guide was very used to taking people out to make their gram videos um, for those people who fancy themselves influencers or just want to film, you know, that, that content. So he would not stop taking photos and videos of us and I, I don't want videos of myself I don't I, sh- some photos of us are great um, but it it got to be a lot but I will say though that his videos are the reason that I feel like I have made one decent TikTok in my entire life to his credit yeah yep so we wandered around the falls we made the long steep very hot hike back actually really funny like our guide couldn't couldn't hack it so you could pay it was a dollar it was a dollar 
<laughs> to get like a, a buck on a on a moped back. We were hiking back, sweating bullets, and he comes flying by on the back seat of this moped, yeah, like, laughing, like like waving at us because we were like, no, we can do it. Like we're fine. Like we should walk anyway. We're gonna be in this car all day. But my God, it was hot and it was not easy. So he he was smart, but we did it. We made it. After this, we headed to what's called Heaven's Gate, which again is something that is all over the gram. But in doing some research, we learned that this place is not a, a gate to a temple, but is really just an entrance to a golf course. Um, now, this is another thing I think that where the, the Graham has skewed reality, if you will. And so everyone thinks in looking at this that this is a temple, but but it's not. There's actually another one that looks like you're floating on water, but it's this trick uh, that the photographers, the, the sites do where they mirror the sky to make it look like water, and it's not. Um, so, yeah, society is great. Don't believe everything you see on the Instagram. Trick photography. Yeah. So anyway, got there. You had to pay a fee to get in. There was a line to take a photo at the golf club entrance gate. And so we were like, no, we're good. And we stressed that we really wanted to see the, the real Bali, right? To see real temples, learn about the real culture. And so after that, we headed to... Ulun Danu Deratan Temple. Mark's much better at pronunciation than I am, so I'm just going to like cue him to, to do this so I don't slaughter the names of these beautiful places. But this is actually a very touristy spot, one of the most touristed places in Bali, but it absolutely is a must-see. It's one of the only public temples in Bali. It's huge. It's situated on a lake. Our guide, while being an amazing photographer, was super knowledgeable and was was great at explaining to us all about the Hindu religion, its gods, what the temples are used for, what people do when they come there. And one thing that we asked him about because we had noticed at our hotel and also everywhere we went is that people create and place offerings every morning and also in the evening. And this could really just be some rice on a banana leaf, or you could add some flowers, some incense, some candy, sometimes a cigarette. Yeah, they, know. <laughs> they were very, some were very elaborate. Yeah. And you had, you were afraid to like walk on top of them. And they were on the ground, a lot of them are. Yes. Some were on dashboards of cars. We were, our guide told us if you get a new car, that the, the family will come with an offering and cover basically the 50% of the hood. With yeah. Like, flowers and incense and to, to praise to safe travels with the vehicle yeah you can place some kind of anywhere that you want the entrance to your store your house in front of different statues of different gods that mean different things but really it's all for trying to bring in this good energy another really interesting thing about bali as i said just a second ago is that this was one of the only public temples Um, and that is because in Bali the families actually live in these temples they're a part of their home so not every family has a temple that they live in but you're driving down the streets and you're driving like by temple 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 and these are all people's homes so then it's their job to care for and keep up 
the temple. Um, and I'm really glad that we learned this because when we were walking around the village uh, where our hotel was the day before, uh, Farber almost walked right into uh, an open door of what we thought was just a public temple, but would have been someone's private home. Yeah, I thought it was an open door policy. And the reason <laughs> I say that is because there is no door. There's two, they call them gates. Think of them as like an opening, a very ornate opening you walk under. Mm-hmm. You walk I thought, like, like a lot of Southeast Asian countries, you can walk around them and explore them. But this mm-hmm. is not true. It was really like, it's like a family compound. And yeah. You would have been You would have been the white tourist just barging into someone's home. Yeah. It would have been real awkward. Yeah. So learn that. Thank God. Don't, don't just barge into a temple in Bali. After visiting the temple on the water our guide asked if we want to stop for lunch and we're like yeah absolutely we really want to stop somewhere authentic you've been really wanting some of this yes yeah so i when i get into a city i see all the restaurant signs i always want to know what they are so i asked the guy like what what is this what is that what does that word mean and so he's like oh we're gonna bring you to bobby gooling and bobby gooling is not the name of a restaurant but it is a local favorite dish and it's basically suckling Pig mm-hmm. on rice. It's it's all parts of the pig in yeah. this particular case. It is not only the crispy skin, which we all like, but it's the intestines, which were deep fried in this case. I didn't eat those. It's knuckles. It's like, and they also stuff that's stewed into a soup. It's great. Okay. It was yeah. it was really good. It was very spicy. There was like an amazing soup, knuckle soup, but the, the broth was incredibly spicy. Uh, yeah, and there was there were skewers. There were almost like pork uh, meatballs. It was awesome. Yeah, it was very good, and it was you could tell it was like a very authentic local place. So, after lunch, he ended up bringing us to this museum. It was called the Ogo Ogo Bali Museum, and this was not on the itinerary. We had not seen any sort of like promotional photos for this place. Mm-mm. It should be on everybody's list if you're going to Bali. Ask to see an Ogo Ogo museum or experience. I don't know how many of them exist besides this one. I think this is the only one. No clue. But this is a, a tradition for the Hindu New Year, which is in March. What happens is, is villages will make these huge statues out of paper mache, plaster, and then like... Hair, yeah. like feathers, like Ornate, really everything. Super detailed, beautiful. And they're structured by like rebar. They're heavy. They take several people to hold. They're about 15 to 20 feet tall. They're massive. Um, these are usually made to represent bad energy that they want to get rid of for the year. So these are these are like frightening horror movie stuff and nightmares. Yeah, it's, it's literally you walk in and you're like, holy shit like you could film a horror movie you walk in you turn on your flashlight and everything looks like it wants to kill you there's decapitated heads monsters teeth things with three heads like anything you can think of but very beautiful and very unique and obviously made for a really cool purpose yeah we'll put them on the website or yeah 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 but in this case, the museum, we were really lucky because at the end of the new year, what they traditionally do is they burn these effigies. Yeah, the end of the festival. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But this museum decided they were going to save some of them. Mm-hmm. So they have about 20 of them throughout. And right down the road from this museum, there was another temple that we got to visit. Mm-hmm. And this was the Pura Taman Ayun, which is where former the former king 
Bali lived. Bali was the only island that ruled by a king and was not colonized by the Dutch or by the British. So that kind of adds to its mystique. Yeah, and it's the only island that is like almost 100% Hindu as well. Because the, the rest of Indonesia is mostly Muslim. So after seeing the temples and going to the Ogo Ogo Museum, eating all portions of the pig, <laughs> we got back in the car and headed back to the Govinda Villas where we arrived about 3.30 in the afternoon. It was a long day. We did see a lot. We saw a ton. It was great. It was a really amazing tour. Highly recommend. On our last day, we got a ride into Ubud. This is a pretty popular town in Bali. This is where most of the backpackers tend to land. Mm -hmm. It's in the jungle. Um, They either go to Ubud or they go to Seminyak or Kuta, which are beach towns. But it's, it's nice because it offers restaurants coffee shops or western style hotels, hostels. We got a ride in just for the day so we could have a chance to check out their art market. We bought a mask that reminded us of the Ogo Ogo Museum. Mm-hmm. Outside of the downtown Ubud, there's certain influencer playground, we'll call it, or the rice fields, which are now... Let's use air quotes when we say these rice fields. So, so Ubud's also famous for these, there are tiered rice fields. Mm-hmm. So think of a Italian wine vineyard or something where it's like on a hill. The same concept relates here to how rice is growing in Ubud. So they, they are not a flat rice paddy field that you think of when you think of Southeast Asia. They're these like beautiful terraced hills. And now because they've found you can get more money by inviting influencers and tourists into the fields than growing the rice, they just grow the rice for visuals. And, and you can pay to walk through the terraces now. But you can also swing on the terraces or through the terraces over the terrace very high up in the air so many swings they make it seem like oh there's this one place where you can have but this like literally like bush gardens of swings over rice terraces and you see the people the women with their long flowing dresses as they get pushed over it's beautiful it's beautiful but it's a little disappointing i think the reality once you get there because you're like rice is grown all over the country of Indonesia as well as other Southeast Asian countries. It can be harvested twice a year. It doesn't require someone to swing over it no. to make it money. But I think they found that that makes a lot more money. For sure. So, For sure. They're so beautiful. Um, and yeah, it's such hard work. And these people are just literally bent over all day long, either planting or harvesting the rice. And yes, there are rice fields everywhere. There are terraced rice fields up in the hills, in the mountain, by the waterfall that we went to. Um, there's areas where it's more flat, but yeah, it's there's rice fields everywhere. It really is a beautiful island. So coming back to Teddy, the toke, um, I alluded to the fact that obviously I, I, I knew that there would be Uh, other things that we would have to deal with while staying in the jungle. So some of those things uh, are that we had 
two wasps nests being built on the ceiling of our room and these aren't wasps like you think of in the in the states these things are massive i mean they had to be what two three inches long that's an overstatement that is not oh my if you count like the body and the feet and everything they are huge They're terrifying. Sure. I'm going to say one and a half inches maximum. They're bigger than wasps in the earth. They're frightening. Yeah. I can deny it, but they're, they're, not, they're not the size okay. of the Okay. Well, I, I don't know. I've, okay. I, the, the females are smaller, but the males are very big. Okay. Anyway, luckily, we had a mosquito net around our bed to keep them away from us as we slept. The net also came in really handy one night when a, a bat got into our room through the open-air bathroom. So this is a fun story that I'd like to talk about a little bit. Mark was already in bed, and I was in the next room watching Below Deck, because what else do you watch? And you saw the bat actually come into the room, fly into the room, and you decided that you were just not going to say anything. That's correct. So... What what went through your mind? Why would you not alert me to the fact that a bat was in the room? I thought you were so focused on Captain Lee, you wouldn't even <laughs> notice this this black flying animal come through. And I thought it would get out by the time you noticed it. Honestly, I thought it's lost in the room. It's, it'll figure its way out. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Oh my gosh, the bat was in our room for like ten minutes. Oh my god! So I'm sitting there watching, and all of a sudden the bat probably two seconds after you have this thought not to tell me comes into the room where i'm in and i just scream bat and i run and jump underneath the mosquito net and uh yeah it took a while it took a while to get the the bat out the bat was going crazy we were scared the bat was scared at one point i tried to get it to go out into the bathroom and it flew in my face and i screamed murder people probably thought you were murdering me in the jungle um eventually we we got it to go out but i don't know i'm still a little pissed that you just you didn't give me fair warning that there was a bat in the freaking room i think the also the irony or the the concern we both had honestly speaking is that before we left for this trip we went and got so many vaccinations so many many shots like nine shots or something and the only vaccination we passed on was for rabies because we thought it was too expensive. It was so expensive. And, and we figured we're not going to pet wild dogs. What else would bite you? Oh, then a bat comes in the room. Oh, there you go. Safe and but sound. But don't tell Jonica. Just hopefully she won't see it. Safe and sound. Oh, my God. Anyway, after a week in the jungle, I was ready to move on to something more secure and maybe a little less remote. We loved our stay. Uh, the villa was incredible. The family that ran the temple, owned the temple, was so lovely. They gave us a ton of fruit. They were more than willing to like talk to us and, and explain to us about their family and the temple. It was great, and I'm really happy that we got to experience this area of Bali away from the super touristy spots. It was a nice kind of way to, to ease in to a new country. Indonesia. It was time for us to move on to our next destination, the island of Lombok. So before we get into our adventures in Lombok, we will take a quick break and we'll right back.
Okay, this is Address Unknown, episode 12, Indonesia edition, and we are on our way to Lombok. So from Taro, where we were staying, uh, it's it was about a two-hour drive to the port, and we had decided to take the slower, cheaper local ferry because the fast ferries only left two times a day. You never know what traffic's going to be like. Um, and also we read a bunch of different blogs and, and they said that it can take almost just as long as the uh, slow boat, uh, depending on the weather. So we got to the boat around 10 o'clock and the boat left the dock around 11:30. So not too bad. What they do is they, these ferries are huge. They drive trucks onto them, scooters, all of these things, and they wait until the boat fills up. Um, and so you want to get there early because if you don't, you might not get a seat. Uh, so we got seats. That was great. Um, some people had to sit on the floor. There are vendors that come on the boat prior to departure, selling fruit, snacks, water, coffee, because it is at least a four hour journey. So you're going to need some stuff, uh, on this boat, the locals were eating a lot of durian fruit. Now, if you are unfamiliar with this fruit, it is about the size of a cantaloupe. And when it is cut open, the fruit is white and has almost like this custard-like texture. It's super messy, goopy. And you just kind of, you don't have to, but most people just go in with their hands and scoop it out and put it in their mouth. And so... I don't want to insult anyone, but uh, this fruit stinks. It yeah. it it stinks. Most people, I mean, anybody who's heard of this fruit has knows it's like notoriously bad smelling. Yeah. And so, in a lot of places, you can't eat it. No, like there's signs, signs. Yeah, there's signs in all the hotels and on metro tra- trains and on buses and stuff and airplanes and airports. You cannot. Open you it can't open. eat durian, so everyone knows that it's fairly offensive, but not on the local ferry. From Bali to Lombok. No, I'm not about that. Got four fifty for four hours. No, so we weren't seated very close to the bathrooms, but it kept smelling super strongly, like urinal cakes all around us. And I finally realized that it was the durian, and that's all I can say is that it smells like urinal cakes. And I don't know why you would want to put something like that in your mouth, but you like it. Yeah, at first it's like uh, uh, there's a urinal cake similar smell to it like taste mm. and it's sweet mm. Mm. it's either you know it's like vegemite or marmite it's like a mm. it's like a you either like it or you don't flavor mm-hmm. it's not something that you acquire over time yeah so you'll eat it but you know that if you do that there's no action happening between us until you brush your teeth and use some mouthwash because no absolutely not real gross anyway After a stinky yet smooth ferry ride, we arrived in Lombok. We got a pickup from our hotel because it was about an hour and a half drive to our resort, Batatu Villas. We got there, and again, I think because it was a low season and we were staying for about a week, they gave us a complimentary upgrade, which was lovely. And the room was freaking incredible there was an open air indoor outdoor area with a private plunge pool we had a kitchen we had a sunken living room and inside the room was stunning we had a huge open air bathroom with a door that was much more secure than govinda's no bats coming to this one 
And the style was super modern, wood and concrete. And this place was only $40 a night. Now, again, it was the low season. So during the high season, you were told by the staff, right, that these rooms go for more than four times that a night. So it is much more expensive. But again, very affordable because... They were, yeah, yeah, they were incredible. Staff is super lovely. They're very attentive. They have an amazing food menu that's super extensive with drinks. Could not say enough good things about this place. Unlike Bali, Lombok is about half Hindu and half Muslim. They do say that there's some Christians sprinkled in there somewhere. And because this was our first time um, in a Muslim country, it was our first time hearing the call to prayer. We were staying in Kuta, which I'll say it's, I mean, people go there to surf, right? Like it's kind of a surfer town. And the roads in Lombok were much better than Bali. They were smooth. They were paved. They were for real two lanes. And there was way less traffic. So the whole time that we were in Lombok, we rented a scooter from our hotel to be able to get around um, and explore. And so while we were there, you took surf lessons. You like to say that you're a surfer now, but you're you're learning. You're learning to surf. I'm basically the Bodhisattva. Oh, God. Going back to a couple episodes <laughs> okay. from Australia. Basically, yeah. Uh-huh. Riding yeah. that night black uh, yeah. board into, uh, into bells. Oh, my God. I think that you're dreaming. You're learning. You're, you, I saw you get up a few times. Uh, anyway, you took some surf lessons. We visited a bunch of different beaches, beautiful beaches. We went to a beach club, which was super fun. We did a lot of yoga and just kind of had a, a chill time overall. Yeah, Lombok was relaxing and yeah. enjoyable and not, Loved it. not chaotic. Um, as John could mention, because the roads were much better, I felt safer driving on them mm-hmm. on a motorbike. I did not in Bali at all. I thought no. that was just chaos. There was so many people with the tourist tattoo. Which oh, is, my God. The tourist tattoo, if you don't know, is on your inter right calf, and it's from the exhaust pipe on a scooter. Mm-hmm. And many people have them because they're not used to driving them that often. Well, they get on and off the wrong side, yes. and that's where the exhaust pipe is. There was a lot of tourists that had some like bandages. Ooh, I mean, like road bottom. rash, lots of road rash. Like there were, And we were asking, obviously, people, and they're like, oh, yeah, you go to the hospital in Bali, and it's just chock full of white people who have crash their scooters we were, yeah, we were very fortunate to have some previous experience driving not have to run into that problem no so we had our time in uh, in Lombok and we were now preparing to head to our next destination which was going to be the town of Manado on the island of Sulawesi Sulawesi is another island far from Lombok but we were interested in visiting another island outside of the typical places that you would go to in Indonesia mm-hmm Sulawesi is known for its incredible scuba diving and sort of remoteness, yeah. which, which was attractive to us. Much less touristy than the two places that we had been. So we booked our flight uh, to go from Lombok. We were going to have to stop in Java and then get up to Sulawesi. No big deal. We knew we'd have a flight or a day of travel ahead of us. Mm-hmm. About 48 hours before departure, we got an email that our flight had been changed. Our first leg of the flight was the same. Mm-hmm. Our second leg of the flight was now rescheduled to occur before the first leg departed. Yep. Simply not possible. I don't I don't know who works at Lion Air. 
Uh, but it, yeah, that's that's not a thing. You can't leave the second place before you've even left the first place. So, and you couldn't change the first flight. That was the other crazy thing. So you go on. I'm like, all right, well maybe we'll just like change the flights and figure this out. No, no, no. You could only change the flight that had been rescheduled, which was the second flight, and there was no option to change it to a different time. So Jonathan quickly gets on the case, gets on Lion Air's website, cancels that flight, then immediately rebooks for two days later. Mm -hmm. This was our first learning lesson here on how to deal with a budget airline in Indonesia. And and I will say that this has, we've flown budget airlines though, like on this trip quite a bit. This has been our first and second, you're getting to that negative experience. So our word of advice, do not fly Lion Air. The reason for that is because on that second flight that Jonica had booked for us, two days later, we got another notice. 24 hours before the flight, they, that flight was now canceled. We dropped our plans for the day and immediately got to work, figuring out where we were going next since we had a week before our reservation in Jakarta. Yeah, and let's be real. We lost a good amount of money because of this, right? We had two flights that we had to cancel that we've put in refunds for. Who knows if those will get refunded? They've said it'll take at least 60 days because we're using an international bank. And our hotel in Monado had already been paid for. And obviously, we let them know that, hey, we're going to be coming two days later. So we were already into our reservation time by the time we realized that we wouldn't be able to go there. So we lost some coin um, on this thing. But that that's what happens when you're, you're traveling. And this has kind of been our first bump in the road, I will say, when it comes to these sort of these sort of things. Yeah, it, it was almost inevitable. I and mean, we couldn't you can't f- fly into a town without a hotel reservation and then expect to find something that night all the time. We don't, we don't live like that. No, and I, this place was very small, too. There, there was not a lot of resorts, and so there wasn't a lot of options. And I think even when we looked, it was like, you don't know if these places are lying, but it's like, oh, we only have one room, and you're flying to a very remote place. And so you don't necessarily want to show up and try to find a place for a week on a very remote island in the middle of nowhere far away from anything else in Indonesia. Right. We learned. Hard lesson. So we realized we need to make our way back west towards Jakarta, which was going to be our next stop. Mm -hmm. Taking this into consideration, we decided to look into a small island off of Bali called Nusa Lembongan. But to get there, we needed to take another ferry. Unlike the boat to Lombok, the slow boat, which is occupied by locals, which was extremely affordable and was super slow, we chose a fast boat, in quotes here, fast boat, in exchange, which turned out to be a nightmare. This boat was a legit three-hour-long nightmare. We got on, and the air con was not working. There was a strong smell of gasoline. And as we made our way towards Nusa, it started raining. And so the ocean got more and more angry. We were slamming into waves. At one point, we hit a wave wrong, and it felt like we were going to tip over, and water came crashing, rushing into the boat. The woman in front of me was crying. I almost started crying. I felt sick. This boat was full of terrified backpackers. 
and uh, could not wait for this ride to be over. Uh, never again. So just a word of warning. If you're going to take the fast boat from Bali to Lombok or back again, it sounds like that's kind of the experience every single time because these boats aren't big. It's 70 kilometers from Lombok to Noosa and you're just in the open ocean. So she's going to be rough. Yeah, I mean, we we boarded the boat, and at no time was there a safety meeting as to where there are life jackets. Like, I don't even know boat. if there were life vests. It we was, have no it was idea. So sketchy, and and I hope my mom's not listening. This was not a boat I would take again for my own safety. I was planning for the exit, like how to grab our stuff, not not our bags, just the important passports and things like that. Yeah, jump out the window. You think I didn't notice that you put your fanny pack, you strapped it tight, and you think I didn't notice it while you're trying to tell me calm down dear just breathe but i'm like no this dude's freaking out too well inside you weren't no one was and every single person in that boat was thinking about how numero uno was gonna get Get out out. (laughs) and it was gonna be like i'm gonna some people are gonna die but i'm gonna try to make it through like that's what we were all thinking there was just like scenes from the titanic coming through my head oh my god okay aside from the safety issues we did make our way to New Silimbongong. Which was beautiful. Really happy we got to this island. We were really lucky to actually have sort of fallen upon it and not planned because it's far less busy than both Lombok and Bali. Mm-hmm. Um, there were certainly less cars. There were zero to no influencers. And overall, it's just a more authentic Indonesian-style island. Mm-hmm. We checked into our bungalow and plan for the next few days as to what we're going to do. Yeah. Geographically speaking, there are some really wonderful phenomena on Lombongan. One in particular is the Devil's Tears. We did this on our first day. It's a cove on the west side of the island where the waves come crashing in from the ocean against these cliffs. And through time and erosion, the cliff faces has now become sort of concave. So when the waves hit against the the land, they blow back into the ocean, making this like groveling echo sound. And this mist that comes off. And those are the devil's, the devil's tears. tears. And I also think too, they call it that because it's like, it is beautiful. Like the water is crystal clear and stunning. And you're like, wouldn't it be fun to jump in? And that's like the perfect place to swim. But no, you jump in there, you dead. Dangerous. You dead. Danger. You up against the rocks, dead. After spending some time at Devil's Tears, we got back on the motorbike and we drove on the single lane rickety yellow bridge it's called to Chenangan Island which is right next to Noosa it's very small and from there we end up going to the Cliff Club this is a boutique hotel beach club on the Blue Lagoon overlook cliff drop off right below you pristine crystal clear waters just Oh my god, stunning. Another place that you're like, I would love to swim there, but no, another place you would die if you went swimming there. But there were turtles in there, huge fish, and the Cliff Club, Thai beef salad, one of the best things I've ever eaten. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, we had an amazing meal there, Mm -hmm. fresh, it was like a nice departure from some of the like routine Indonesian rice dishes that we'd had. Mm -hmm. So good, that beef salad, Jonica made me go twice. We drove to this island twice for this meal. It's true. I just, we, I think, you know, Indonesian food is amazing, but there are a lot of dishes that have noodles. 
Um, so there are a lot of things that I can't eat. So let's just say that I had um, the same dish multiple times, multiple, mul- sometimes multiple times in, in one day. Nasi goreng. Get that nasi goreng every breakfast, every single day. So much nasi goreng, which is very good. And I, I know I'm going to miss nasi goreng with my sambal. It's in my prawn chips. Like, I'm going to miss it. But I was, I, I was needing some, some variety in my life. Overall, I would say the sunsets, the yoga classes, and the calm vibe of Nusa were really, really beautiful. And we were fortunate enough to have this unplanned experience by default of multiple plane cancellations and flight rescheduling. Yep. But... Island life has to come to an end at some time. Either the money will run out or the suntan just gets too intense. But before we get into our last stop in Indonesia, let's take a quick break. All right, we are back. We had experienced the beauty of the beaches in parts of Indonesia, and so we wanted to get a taste of the city life. And so we headed to Jakarta for a few days. To put this into perspective, Jakarta has a population of about 11 million people. New York City has a population of almost 8.5 million, and Jakarta is smaller than New York City. So she's she's crowded our taxi from the airport was like uh, mario kart we were in and out of lanes we were on the shoulder we were barely missing cars and once we got into the city then all of a sudden there's all the scooters it was insane it's one of the more insane taxi rides that i've ever had in my life but hey he got us there really fast and it was really cheap we were staying in the Mentang neighborhood, right in the city center, which was a great jumping off point for us. Our first full day, Mark had booked us a tour to see the major points of the city, get some education, and lay of the land. GP, our tour guide, was an older Indonesian man. He was probably about at least 70 years old. We stopped, but lovely, a lovely man. Uh, We stopped at a school where Barack Obama had went for a couple years. Indonesian people love Barack Obama, and uh, they are very proud to say that he went to school there. He has visited there a number of times, and we were very excited, obviously, that they love Barack so much because we love Barack so much. Bring him back. (laughs) Bring Michelle back. Bring anyone else back. Uh, we saw embassies and government buildings and then went to the National Monument. Um, this, this thing is huge. You can see it from all over the city. Uh, it's 132 meters high, which is 433 feet. And it is an obelisk and it's in the center of Jakarta. It was built to commemorate the struggle of the Indonesian people and celebrate its independence. So therefore it's topped with this huge gold flame. In the base of the monument, there is a diorama history of Indonesia because this country has been through it. They were colonized by the Dutch, then taken over by the Japanese for a number of years, back to the Dutch, before finally gaining their independence in only 1949. 
outside of the monument, um, there were these huge groups of school children visiting and all they freaked out when they saw us and wanted to take pictures with us. Uh, they wanted to talk to us. They wanted to shake your hands. They were giving you high fives. Uh, it, it was crazy. It was, this went on and on and on. Like finally our guide kind of had to step in and be like, all right guys, we have to get going. I think that in the tourist, more touristed towns, the kids are used to seeing, you know, the guy with the surfboard. Jakarta is not a tourist town, it is a capital. So these children, these school children were probably from like cities or towns outside of Jakarta. Mm-hmm. And they were not used to it. Yeah. And they were just like, they'd come by and like yell and they'd be like, hey, hey, hello. And like, what's your name? And how old are you? And then they'd run away. Mm-hmm. And they'd like want a high five. And then they'd run away. And they were all kind of like embarrassed and laughing. And then they'd come back. So yeah. It was, it was very sweet. And this, this happened to us a number of times. And it wasn't even just children. Like, adults would come up and want pictures with us. Um, it, was, it was a very weird feeling, I guess. Like, I, I didn't think that these sort of things happened anymore in the world. But, um, but it, was, it was very sweet. Was not expecting it. Um, our next stop after the National Monument was, I think you agree, was the best of the day. We got to see the biggest mosque in Southeast Asia because Jakarta is like 85 to 90 percent Muslim. So usually you're not allowed, I think, in a lot of places to go inside the mosque if you are not Muslim. But this mosque, they let you. Uh, Mark got to wear a sarong and a kopia which is the traditional hat that Muslim men wear in Java. There's a couple different names, but that's what it's called in Java. I was given a robe with a hood in order to obviously just cover me up. Uh, The mosque was stunning. It was massive. And our tour guide was great. He explained in detail the design of the mosque uh, and details about the Muslim religion. And the thing that I love so much about the Indonesian country is that anyone you talk to talks about the love and respect that they have for every religion um, of the people of Indonesia, because obviously there's there's a lot of different religions. I mean, not as many as, as the U.S. or other places, but they are so open and accepting um, and have respect for everyone. And you truly see and feel that across the street from the mosque is a Catholic church that we went to. And the mosque was actually built right across the street from the church on purpose to show the unity between the Christians and the Muslims. So that was just, I don't know, you hear that over and over again by a lot of people that you talk to in Indonesia. And it's, it's, it's truly heartwarming, especially in the world that we live in today. We then went to Chinatown. We went to the old town. We met this man who was making these super intricate traditional Indonesian puppets, which unfortunately seems to be a dying art, and finished at the port. Um, it was a super long day, but we learned and saw a ton. And for that, I am I am grateful. We've never been in a mosque. No. Um, I didn't think you could go in them. We've never seen traditional... Indonesian puppetry, mm-hmm. like shadow puppetry, mm-hmm. and learn the actual... Uh, what goes into making them? How to, yeah, how to make them by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, great tour yep. overall. Um, the next morning, we took it easy after that 10-hour day. Mm-hmm. We focused on planning for the future, um, looking for things to do on our next trip, 
and withheld from eating too much because we had a street food tasting tour booked that evening. The moment we introduced ourselves to Amir, the sky sort of closed in, got a little dark, and monsoon rains for the first time that we've really experienced them in Indonesia just, like came crashing down. So we sat in a coffee shop with Amir, chatted uh, with him for the next hour and a half, got to know each other before we made our way to visit some local markets. So we stopped at some food stalls, we stopped at some street vendors. Uh, it was a great, albeit difficult time for Jonica to find any gluten-free options, but we had a good time overall, I'd say. Emir, our guide, was really well-educated, uh, fluent in English, and understood Western culture more than many of the, the younger demographic that we met thus far in Indonesia. We'd be asked, how do you, you know, where did you learn English? Did you learn at school? Where, you know, from listening to like music, what is it? And he said that he actually had an affinity for Star Wars movies and started watching them repeatedly when he was a kid, like with and then without subtitles, and then for like kind of teaching himself English. After trying all of these street market foods on a stick, noodles of various kinds, he led us to Camden, which is a local bar in our neighborhood where we were staying. As soon as we walked into Camden, like the doors open and this plume of cigarette smoke comes bellowing out. It was it was like a bar from the nineties. Well, and and just to clarify, like Indonesians be smoking, right? Like everywhere. They don't drink. Well, they do in Jakarta, but they don't drink, so they smoke. So like we've I don't know, we haven't experienced people smoking like that in a long time. Yeah, I mean, we had to take a shower as soon as we got home. Yeah, I mean, every restaurant that we went to would be like, do you want to sit in the smoking section or the non-smoking section? And we're like, I'm sorry, what? And that's the thing. And honestly, the smoking sections were usually nicer than the non-smoking sections. And they would be full of people. And the non-smoking sections would have, like, us and maybe another other couple. <laughs> but listen, it was a good night. The bar was cool. Live music. Lots of young Indonesian people having drinks. You know, these were... What, what did he say? Our, our guide said, Muslim by day, not by night. Yeah. So they were drinking and smoking at night. But all said, we had a great time. Uh, at the end of the night, we said goodbye to Amir. And we headed back for our sort of last day in Jakarta. Uh, yeah. It was, a, it was a long day. It was a long night. And so in one of the first episodes, I mentioned that I was nervous to travel and especially to certain countries because I have SIBO, which is kind of like IBS. I have a very sensitive stomach. So I wanted to quickly give an update on how I'm doing. And I will say until we got to Jakarta, I was doing great. Um, I should say that we are both doing great. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course, I'm not 100% all of the time. Like, you know, the things pop up. But for the most part, it's been very manageable throughout Bali, throughout Lombok. It's been great. But Jakarta got us both. I think we are finally feeling better, but it has been about six to seven days of us both not doing great. We're not sure exactly what it was, but on the street uh, food tour, like Mark said, we only ate a couple of the same things because I couldn't eat 90% of the food. And so one of the things being, uh, I'm going to put my money on the, the fruit that we had. We had this fruit with very spicy peanut sauce, which was very good. 
but I have my theory that the, the fruit was washed in, in local water, which you're not supposed to drink. Uh, and so let's just say that we have taken a, a lot of Imodium uh, since, since that tour. Yeah, that's, I think that's going to do it for our time. In Indonesia, we've depleted the emergency uh, diarrhea kit. <laughs> so we're, we've replenished it with new Imodium from... From the pharmacy because we used everything that the doctors from the U.S. gave us. Yeah. Um, but we're feeling better. Yeah. Yeah. So, with that, before we get into our love and our learns here, we are going to take a clean quick break. <laughs> All right, Farber. What is your love of Indonesia? So I think that our chance to explore a, like a large area was missed because of the flight debacle. So I really think we didn't get a chance to see everything that the country has to offer, which you really can't do in, in 30 days. Um, we saw some great places on this trip, but they were all within like about 500 square miles. They were not far from one another. We saw countless beaches. We got to go to several different types of religious centers and mm-hmm. cultural places. Um, but because the, the country is like so large and in, in vast in that island, it's really difficult to get to see everything. Uh, it's extremely ethnically different. It is Muslim, it is Hindu, it is Buddhist, it is Christian, and then some potentially more that we just don't know about in some far off islands. But at any rate, I think for the purpose of this conversation, the fruits were my love. <laughs> I got to try fruits that I some I'd not had before, many I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the jungle was really great here. And really the, the like, simplicity and the pace of the people in Indonesia mm-hmm. was really with my, my, yeah, that's my love. You got to try one fruit that you had never had before. Neither of us had no. had nor seen before. Salak. They call it snake fruit. Snake fruit. Really good. Just don't yeah. eat too much because you won't be able to go to the bathroom. Yeah, you kind of wish that was the case now, don't you? You're the opposite problem right now. <laughs> okay. It's balance. It's all about balance here. <laughs> all right. And what is your learn? My learn is that most people who are going to visit Indonesia go to Bali. Many people don't know that it's an island of Indonesia. They even think that it's like its own country yeah they think bali is just bali that it's the country of bali the locals who every time we like got into a cab or like we're we're talking about trying to go somewhere they were like are you going to bali coming from bali so they they really just like sort of direct you to or from bali as though it's the only place i think they just know that that's that's just where tourists go yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it, is, it is certainly like we talked about. It. It's a beautiful, unique island. It's, it's amazing. The country. A must-see. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but it's not the only island. It's not the only place in the country. So the, the reason I feel this, this it is the most popular, though, is because it's also the most accommodating. Of all the places we visited, it was, like, the easiest, transportation-wise. It was the easiest to, like, if you wanted something different than Indonesian food, you could do it there. Mm-hmm. Right. In comparison, we had spent our past few days here in Jakarta, which is the nation's capital, where we discovered it's far less interested in courting tourists. It's very difficult to get from A to B. It's very difficult to figure out how to get around the trains and the buses. Um, so 
I think it takes a little bit of a challenge, but if you sort of seek out, even like a capital city can be a little bit challenging, but still very, very interesting. You can do it. Yeah, and worthwhile. Mm-hmm. That is my learn. All right, my dear. What is your love? The people of Indonesia are incredible. They are so kind. They are so happy that you are in their country. And they are so excited to answer your questions, to tell you about their religion, the culture, the food. Even if they cannot speak English, they will get out their phones and use Google Translate to communicate and help you. Uh, The children are super excited and curious to see you. They want to talk to you, to know where you're from. And for the most part, I said this earlier, people have really strong faith in Indonesia, depending on the, it doesn't matter what their religion is. They are very religious people, but they are so open and accepting of all of the differences and all of the other different religions that there are within their country. Yeah. Not to take part of your love here, but the fact that it's majority Muslim does not follow the stereotype that the Western world has of Muslims. No. It's very, very much the opposite. Yeah. They're extremely inclusive of other faiths. Yeah. You think, I mean, in my mind, I was like, well, there must be like Muslim schools and Hindu schools and Christian schools. And of course there are, like there are definitely, I think for the most part, it's like Catholic schools are the ones that are probably the most discriminatory. You had Hindu kids, you had Chinese kids, they all are going to the same school. And I just, I thought in my mind that it would be much more segregated, but it's, it's not at all, which is very lovely to see. Yeah, it's a good love. Mm-hmm. And what is your learning? It's it's a love and learn in a way that that there are still places in the world that have not been totally taken over by Western culture and are still not touristed by a lot of people. Jakarta being such a massive city, I guess I just assumed that it would be much more Westernized, but it, it truly is not. Um, and it's been a, a refreshing experience to, to see this because I just assumed that the world had shrunk so much that everything everywhere would be in English, that no one would be surprised to see white people, let alone Americans. Uh, so it's nice to, to know that there are still places in the world that are yet to really be touristed, discovered, uh, and and explored and that still take a bit more work um, if you are are not a local and you want to you want to get into the real and there it is all right that is going to do it for us for episode 12 of address unknown that is all the time for our uh, our visit to Indonesia we didn't make it to every place that we wanted to go but that's gonna happen in the end, we left feeling there is more to discover, a reason to return, which is how you want to leave any place, I'd, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Again, we invite our listeners to email us with questions, DM us on Instagram, or simply pass along, suggest, share the podcast with friends who think they might enjoy it. All right, that's going to do it for us. Bye.